Hi, welcome to episode three of Talk About the Passion. My guest today is my friend Jason Koken, and I'm not going to get too far into what we talked about in that conversation uh, because it's a pretty long conversation. We cover a lot of ground, and uh, I think it speaks for itself. Uh, before we get into that, though, I did want to address some of the audio issues in the last one and uh, this one. Uh, I'm working on, you know, getting these all to sound as, as good as possible, and uh, I appreciate any feedback if you're having issues with uh, how the episodes sound, and uh, yeah, definitely get in touch if there are issues. Apparently, the last one was very quiet, so I bumped it up a little, and then it was a little distorted, and uh, so with time, these will all start to sound better, I hope. Uh, as for this episode, the first five minutes or so, uh, Jason's dogs were in the kitchen, and uh, so they come out in the background a little. Uh, he took them outside after that, and uh, it sounded fine after that. And aside from, you know, a couple coughs and that kind of thing that I had to edit out, uh, it's a pretty smooth, long conversation, uh, covering a lot of ground. And uh, this was my first interview I did for this podcast in... Uh, it was pretty great. Jason's a pretty intense, interesting guy, and uh, I think you'll definitely enjoy this episode. Uh, I got a bunch of good folks I'm going to be interviewing in the next month or so, so I'm pretty excited to bring uh, some new interesting uh, people on board for this. And again, if you you or someone you know wants to be on this uh, podcast, definitely get in touch. Uh, I have a Facebook page if you search uh facebook talk about the passion you should be able to find it um i'll I'll put a link on this podcast and uh yeah so uh enjoy this one and uh thanks again for listening friend Jason Koken. Uh, we met in briefly uh, when you did the Salad Days movie. 2005, in, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, 2015? Oh, 15, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay, uh, wait, yeah. It was like a horrible snowstorm that night, I remember. Uh, but I made it up there, and the, mo- the movie was great. Uh, it was also, I think, a, a benefit for a homeless shelter. Uh, f- <coughs> a uh, food pantry food out of the pantry. area, yeah, that support that supports the local area of Amesbury, Newburyport, Salisbury, and West Newbury, Merrimack. Nice. Uh, and that and that movie was the Salad Days uh, documentary on uh, the hardcore scene in Washington D.C. And you spoke briefly at the at the beginning, I think. And uh, I don't hundred percent remember, but you grew up. In, in that area? I grew up, yeah. I was born in New Jersey mm-hmm. and um, on the shore in yeah. North Jersey and, um, in 1975. Okay. No, wait, no, 74. Okay. Like 74, mm-hmm. we moved to down to the Northern Virginia area, mm-hmm. the town of Annandale. Okay. So just inside the Bellwave of Washington, D.C. Okay. And then, uh, so you got into hardcore as like a teenager? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think probably when I was 
I was always skateboarding mm-hmm. and BMX and skateboarding right, right. and stuff. So some of those kids were into punk, some of the older kids. Right, right. Um, the A-Town skate ramp mm-hmm. was nearby. Yeah. So those guys were around. Right. Um, the Lapper and Toke team. So they oh, were nice. kind of, they were loosely, they were punk and right, dead right. and this whole kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then there were some other kids that were closer to my age that were into it. And that right. kind of led me into it. And right. I mean, of course, the first bands, you know, the Sex Pistols, Dead yeah, Kennedy's yeah. Clash and that type of thing. So right. that was probably 83 to 84 was when I started just really becoming aware yeah, of that stuff. Same here. Uh, yeah, because we're around the same age. So mm-hmm. do you remember your, the first show that you saw? Um, the first shows that I went to were like some bands from the high school okay. that played. So um, in Annandale, there was a band called perverse contortion mm-hmm. and there was another band called egypt and they were more um kind of like post new wave type of thing yeah. um that type of stuff you know more like um closer to i don't even know more like bauhaus or oh, like okay. cure to love and rockets became right. and stuff like that so that that style of music so right. it was college rock right you know right, what yeah. you know yeah. what kind of we would call college rock yeah. now or I know then. It's, yeah it's funny that that term if you said that to a Someone that's yeah. under forty, they would probably have no idea what that means. Yeah, and and hearing and and there really wasn't college stations like you have up here. Right. Um, University of Maryland had a good college station out at yeah. College Park, right. but we couldn't. I couldn't get it where I was. Right. But in Annapolis, Maryland, there was um, WHFS, which was very similar to, you know, FNX was right. up here. Okay. Um, so that was something to listen to, but that was you know the college rock progressive, right, right. you know. You know, REM was about as as far outside the mainstream they kind of went. Right, right. Um, but there was a couple shows that you hear. I think that was the first time that I, I, in fact, I know that was the first time that I heard Minor Threat yeah, yeah. was on there in right. the middle of the night. And I remember it was a snowstorm and I was probably like 13 or 14. Yeah. And I'm laying there and it, who knows what time. So, you know, that muffled sound of a snowstorm. Right. And then all of a sudden I've got it playing in, in, my, in my bedroom and I heard... Right. The glass breaking, oh, that, yeah. that bottle breaking, and yeah. it goes right into the song with that bass line. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah. like, holy shit. Right. And I heard Minor Threat, yeah. and it wasn't until a little bit later that I went and pick, picked up uh, right. some music. Oh, nice. So, so you probably just missed them. Yes, because um, later on, the, the when I first started going to shows and really being aware was in, in 85. And, okay. And I have to thank uh, my friend Sorav Abibian, who played in a band Kids for Cash and he mm-hmm. lived in Burke so okay. he he was with uh, the group of kids that were going to Lake Braddock High School mm-hmm. and uh, so Rob who went by you know Rob at the time mm-hmm. was putting on shows at the Lake Braddock Community Center nice. and it was just it was great I yeah. mean yeah. Seven Seconds played there oh, yeah, Grace yeah. Nice. Marginal Man Beef Feeder nice. uh, Lunch Meat who became Soul Side right right um, and uh Dave Grohl's first band. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, yeah, yeah um, not a problem. Um, yeah, so, that, yeah, they were great shows. Plus, there was all kinds of other, you know, small bands from um, Northern Virginia and, right. and Maryland and D.C. that came yeah. and played. So it was Scream. good. Scream was Scream a, played there, too, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Scream was from um, an area called Bailey's Crossroads, which is actually kind of sits between Annandale Falls Church and Arlington, okay. where they all come together off Columbia oh, Pike. Okay. So 
if you continue following at Columbia Pike towards Washington, you'd get to the area where Discord House oh, right. is and nice. uh, stuff like that. So, oh, cool. yeah, so it was it was pretty neat because it yeah. was you know it wasn't that big of a deal to go to shows there. Right. My mom, you know, you know, they were usually on Saturday or Friday nights, right. so it wasn't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some matinee shows that were happening in D.C., but they were kind of few and far between. Right. Um, so. Yeah, so 85, and the first show that I went to in D.C. was summer of 85, was the DOA government issue and Dag Nasty show at West Hall. So that was the first, um, that was uh, Dag Nasty's first show, so so Sean Sean Nice. Yeah, and that was the only time that I saw them then sing, or Sean Brown sing for. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never, I don't think they ever made it up to Boston with... No, I think they, the, they I think it left was, DC, right? With not with movie? him, I don't think. I, yeah. I could be wrong, right, but right, not right. that I remember. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, I missed Embrace too. They were supposed <sighs> to play the for I think it was the first Boston Slapshot show was listed as uh, Embrace, Dagnasty, and Slapshot. Whoa! So it was uh, the first time you'd that I would have saw Dave Smalley after uh, post DYS, and I think all I think all was. In between DYS and Dagnasty, mm. but Embrace I think broke up maybe a week before. So. Oh, yeah, that was and that was great. I mean, that was oh, basically yeah. Faith with uh, yeah, Ian yeah. singing, and and yeah. out of that, I mean, came so yeah. much. You know, that was a, it was really a, a big. Yeah, to it's, me, that was a great a great band. And what was really cool about Embrace and Dagnasty was when they were when they started. Yeah, there was a tape and I wish I still had it they released a demo tape both bands oh yeah so one side was Dagnasty the other side was Embrace interesting yeah so that was that was going around and yeah you know those things that you lose and as time goes on that no I know I have so much of that stuff my mother threw out or that I just lost in a move or something um but yeah, and that was the beginning of that, you know, what we would call emo, you know, yeah. the, you know, which is a diff- completely different thing at this point. But and I, you know, I talked about it, you mentioned that the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big part of when I got into this, so 1985 was yeah. the Revolution summer. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so because of that, I started going to shows, and that was all happening. Right. So my kind of mindset of what I was seeing at shows, what I was seeing the elder statesmen of DC right. hardcore, mm-hmm. they were doing that, yeah. that, that revolution summer, you know, where you see, you know, Tomas, you know, banging the drum right, and getting right. people getting out there, the punk percussion protest. Yeah, yeah. It was um, more than just music. It was, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was like, okay, we're going to do this, but let's do this another way. So me coming into the scene, seeing that, my whole thought process mm-hmm. was, that's what you were supposed to do. Right, because right. That summer, who did I see? I saw Embrace. Right. I saw Seven Seconds, and right. and you know if you if you saw Kevin sec, you know Seven Seconds, and you heard Kevin rant between oh, the songs, yeah. was, that's all he was ranting about. Yeah. Was like, let's make a difference. Let's do something better. Yeah. Let's stop fighting. There's other people outside of these rooms yeah. that we should be fighting. Yeah. But while we're here, let's get together and make the world better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that to me was always an important thing. And all Definitely. those shows, it was always like bring a. Bring a canned food. Right, bring right, yeah, yeah. It was so. a, you know, so then Positive Force mm-hmm. started up, and yeah. it was, you know, those things were very important yeah. to to my, um, my, you know, forming me as a, as a as a punk and as a, a person that was aware of what was going on in the yeah, outside yeah. world. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I think uh, people overlook in the hardcore scene, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. How you know just. 
the scene informs like other parts of your personality or career and mm -hmm. it's a you know a big the DIY ethic and just the uh, it's more, it was more than just rebelling against your parents or something. Oh, yeah. At one point it got, and that, that's exactly sort of when it started, when I heard uh, The Crew by Seven Seconds. That was sort of the first time it was like, wow, this is more than, you know, I knew Straight Edge and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, they were the first one that kind of tackled racism, it seems, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit. And, and sexism. And, yeah, you know? yeah, and sexism and stuff, so that, that was great. Yeah. They were always a great band. And, you know, the, the thing, too, is that my my mother was a went to school for sociology and when she was in new jersey she was a social worker and she wanted to become a probation officer okay. and things like that so she was like so she so i kind of had that you know that liberal do-gooder right right you know upbringing from my yeah. mother okay. um so she kind of instilled that in me like i remember some of my earliest memories are we would go to there was like a you know like a small like wooded area that was they had a nature center and trails and stuff right. there was a little creek that went through there so oh, nice. she was take me down and pick up trash and that right, was always right. something we want to hike we'd always pick up litter right, right. and do things like that if you know and so that was something that was instilled in me as, as a kid you know about you know making the world a better yeah. place not ruining what we have around right, us right. And, yeah. and and helping others you know mm -hmm. so and not that you know that we had much money you know right. we weren't we weren't well to do and mm -hmm. and before we moved up to we moved down from New Jersey at one point, you know, my, you know, my mother was very poor and, mm -hmm. and she kind of got like, it was kind of like, what would it be today would be a Craigslist scam on a rental. And uh, we, you know, somebody sublet it as a place and they didn't own it. Mm -hmm. And Ugh. then we got to, you know, the police came and threw us out and she had lost all this money. So she was living, we were living in a car for a short while. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, she, you know, she kept it from her friends and her friends figured it out and then. Help, right. helped her, you know, and, and so knowing where I, where those type of things, where it came from, where it was, you know, we're always one paycheck away from right. disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of had an understanding about, yeah. about things and, and the world a right. little bit different than some of the other kids going into right, rock right. and stuff. So, but that's cool that you were able to also keep just like a positive, like, well, it's still, you know, as crappy as a situation might be in my life, I still want to do Good and I think well, it was my mom, you know, and right. so I have so much respect for her for doing that. And I think right. that uh, if it wasn't for her, a lot of the, my ideals wouldn't be where they are, yeah. too. Great. I can't say it's all punk rock. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, during that time, there was rebelling against my mom. I'm staying up. Right, you know, right. be back at midnight. Yeah, and yeah. I come, you know, shows got out at two o'clock, one o'clock, one thirty right. there. And, yeah. you know, so, you know, so we yeah, you know, that. come in and stuff. Right. So you joined the Coast Guard when you were? Yes. Um, when I was 19, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, I needed to pay for college. I couldn't, you know, my, yeah. my parents, you know, my mother and my father didn't really have the money to be able to support me to go to college full time. And I right. tried to work and go to school and I just, I didn't have the discipline right, to do right. it. And, um, and I didn't really, you know, stand around there and, and, in Washington, you know, there were friends that were kind of doing stuff, but they all kind of, you know, I kind of noticed they had a little bit at an edge, you know, they would, some, you know, their parents would be able to buy them a car right, or pay right. for their health insurance or yeah, pay yeah. for this or pay for that. And, and I really didn't have that option. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I went into the, uh, into the Coast Guard and, and um, you know, I didn't want to go into the other services right, and things right. like that. And, um, I took the, 
job from the officer's personnel management, the civil service job mm-hmm. to get a civilian job right. first. Okay. And the only things I was getting from was from the defense mapping right. agency. And I was like, oh, that's the military complex and all right, this stuff. Right, and yeah. so I wasn't going to take, you know, for right. some reason, my ideals, I didn't want to take that. Mm-hmm. Not that I, I don't think that would have been a bad thing. Right. But, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, I had it dead set. And then, um, and then it was kind of like joining the Coast Guard kind of was, uh, heard some good things about it. The, there was that Valdez oil spill. So I was right. seeing the Coast Guard there and go, that looks pretty cool. And right, right. I saw some other stuff and, mm-hmm. and, um, and I, you know, always liked the water and, right. and I saw the Coast Guard on the Chesapeake Bay and I was like, you know, this, this looks pretty cool. I said, yeah. I, 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 you know, let me look into it and went to the recruiter and, um, ended up joining. It was, yeah. and, you know, there was good and, and bad. I think, right. um, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might have, you know, gotten myself a little bit straightened out a little quicker and right. there or figured things out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Made, you know, not made some some of those little mistakes that I did. But right, right. I, it was great. Yeah. Um, so I took me away from D.C. and it kind of going, you know, that was in, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked a little bit about yeah. that. On, right. Um, so it took me away from Washington mm-hmm. and brought me to the Eastern Shore. First, I was stationed in Ocean City, Maryland, okay. and I got there in the summer of '90, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and then in the early or the late winter of '91, I transferred down to Chincoteague Island, and I mm-hmm. was at a. Uh, it was great. I was at an aids to navigation team, so we took care of a lighthouse. And oh yeah, oh, wow. aids to navigation, so buoy, you know, buoys and mm-hmm. day markers and, right. and channel marker lights from uh, the Delaware line oh, wow. on the ocean side down to Cape Charles and then up into the Chesapeake Bay mm-hmm. on the eastern shore. To, nice. I forget what I forget what town we went far north. It wasn't as far north as right, right. as on the ocean side. But it was it was amazing. It was an amazing yeah. job. Um, I got to see and 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 do things that I never thought I would have right, done. Right. And, and it was a lot of it was like we were like kinda like a construction crew. Yeah. So we'd go out there. We didn't you know, make the roads, the, right. um, the, what do you call it? The army Corps of engineers, they would dredge and do that stuff, mm-hmm. but we would mark, we would mark those routes. And right. it was, you know, I used to go out and jump on buoys and fix them, oh, and wow. did, you know, and that was, you know, just fix the light yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, and at that time it wasn't like, you know, we started to use solar panels at that point, but you know, there were no led yeah. lights. So you had to have these larger Giant. batteries. So, you know, it was like a, 12 volt car battery on and you'd have to jump on it. Yeah. yeah. So I used to have some of the, um, the crew, like people would take us out from the other stations, small boat stations. And mm-hmm. so I'd have somebody jump on it to counterweight it so I can do what I needed to right. do. Oh, wow. It was pretty neat. It was yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing job. Yeah. I'm really glad that I got to do it and see yeah. it. And then, um, after that, I went to California for a little bit to, uh, the cooking school mm-hmm. and, oh, wow. um, that was that was in uh, Northern California in Petaluma. So oh, I when I was, that. yeah, so Petaluma was a great because you had the Phoenix Theater. So there were shows mm-hmm. every week happening. Oh, nice. And I started going to shows and I remember going to shows there and people at that time could tell, you know, by our hair, they could tell that we were in the Coast Guard. Right, right. And we were like, we would get yelled at by these, yeah. by punk kids there. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, you're a baby killer. They would say, and I don't right, know right. Where, where they were coming up with this stuff. Right. Yeah. And, I think they right. just wanted to be punk rock, right, right. you know, yeah. and, um, and that used to always frustrate the heck, heck out of me. Right. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was, it was pretty weird. Yeah. But had a great time. Got to see all those lookout 
records oh, yeah. bands, yeah, the East yeah. Bay bands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I remember one show was um, Mr. T Experience, Sam I Am, and Jawbreaker, and oh, that nice. was that was a great show. Right. Um, DOA played there, and I think they played with. Um, one of the bands that's on Asian Man Records, so so those kind of those ska, yeah. those ska bands opened up, and the kids were all into that. And then when DOA came on, the kids are like totally shit on them. <laughs> and Joey, like they didn't even do an encore, right? You know, they, I don't even think they played Fucked Up Ronnie, you right. know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they got done, and I was talking to him. He's like, these kids, they were just jerks, or right. you know. And I was, it was, it was disappointing. Yeah. And um, I went to, I saw Clutch and Bad Religion there, oh, nice. and. The guys from Clutch, because I had left in 90, mm-hmm. so the guys in Clutch, they were from Baltimore, but a lot oh, of them right, were yeah. going to shows in D.C. Yeah. So, like, at the merch table, somebody from the band was selling stuff, and I don't even remember who it right. was, but we recognized each oh, other right. from, you know, the you know shows in, at 9.30 or yeah. Wust or D.C. Space or yeah. Safari Club or something. And, and that was that was pretty neat, you yeah. know? It's, it's crazy how mm-hmm. small this, like, yeah. the... Clutch isn't a hardcore man, but just the music scene, mm. and underground and, and heavy music or yeah. punk and stuff. And I remember, oh, the other thing I remember, I paid, I think it was $15 to go to that show. And yeah. I was just like, it was a gas. It was like, <laughs> you, you might have been like, had to take a chisel to pry my hand right. open yeah, yeah. through that money. I just I couldn't know. believe it. Yeah, I just, I'm, you know, but I, you know, th- those bands, are, they're doing a lot more and yeah, all these yeah. different things. So I get it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I don't begrudge it because those guys, right. you know, paid their dues. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just paid fifty to see the Descendants mm-hmm. like a month ago. Yeah, and it was great. It was great. Yeah. So, um, when you when you were in the Coast Guard, did you do like a, like uh, seizing drug that kind of stuff? And, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was um, when I was at that first station, Ocean City. Yeah, I became a, a maritime law enforcement oh, officer, okay. but I was a boarding team member. Right. Okay. And so I, we'd do the boardings there. Yeah. Most of those, like when I was in Ocean City, was um, we would, you know, safety boarding, some fisheries boardings, right. and and then boating while intoxicated, drunk right. drunk yeah, boating. Yeah. And then when I was when I after I finished that school, mm-hmm. and I went to Boston. Yeah. I got on the ship out of Boston in in '94. Okay. Um, on that ship, I, I started doing it after after a while. I think my I was on there for a year, and then I got back into right. it. Nice. Uh, no, ninety, maybe ninety ninety five. Yeah, okay. ninety. Oh, I was on there about a year. Yeah, I got back into it, and then so I continued doing that up until yeah. I retired. Nice. So you, you could, uh, you know, go back to shows and see straight edge people and be like, you know, I. You guys are knocking beers out of people's hands, but I just, you know, seized eighty tons of cocaine. So, yeah. you know, who's well, yeah. that that's a funny, you know, it's a funny thing is that you know when the whole youth crew thing started up, and and you know, I I love the bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we we've uh, talked about those different bands, and I was, you know, a straight edge, you know. Yeah, yeah. So here I was going to those shows and seeing the kids, and they were kind of acting like that, you know. Yeah. Youth of today had this whole thing and you know my friends and I we were we heard youth of today in 86 yeah and we didn't hear it the same way that they did it yeah we heard it that you know it's good to be straight it's, you know don't don't be ashamed of it right. be a little bit more open about it right and you know stand firm and and keep your you know and be there for your friends yeah. your friends are you know thinking about bending edge it could be bad right. for them they could get into hard drugs they right. could do this yeah it wasn't like this militant right, thing right. you know yeah. 
And the kids seemed to really have that militant. They yeah. all had the champion sweatshirts, yeah. the Adidas shoes, and they were really crazy. And I'm, you know, here I am, I'm like 18, 19, I've been, you know, I'm not going to shows as much as, as I was before because I was working full time at that point, trying right. to go to school. Yeah, yeah. And I'd go to these, you know, shows that um, my friends, Pam, my friends Pam and Shauna were putting on Safari Club. Mm -hmm. So they were bringing down, you know, Gorilla Biscuits and, yeah. and Judge and okay. and Bold and Beyond and and nice. all the, you know, and and the, some of the Jersey bands. Yeah. So you had some of these more harder bands coming down from New York. Yeah. With that. You know, with the, with the Revelation Records mm -hmm. from the Revelation Records yeah. catalog, and um, so a lot of these kids, they were like, you know, they're two or three years younger than yeah. me before, and they're all like, they all have the, you know, you know, crew cut, yeah. you know, the baggy shorts, right? You know, the it was the, a, a uniform. Yeah, it was a uniform, and it was really weird. I didn't begrudge that; that didn't right. really bother. But I didn't like their attitude towards people that look different. So I came right, in, right. you know, here I'm coming to a show mm -hmm. and these are like some of people that are, you know, I consider some of my close, you know, closer to closest friends are right. putting on these shows. Yeah. And these kids are giving me, you know, giving me dirty looks and saying things right. at, you know, yeah. and like walking by me, pushing me. Right. Because, you know, I didn't have the haircut. I wasn't right, right. dressed like they did, and right, right. and that really bothered me. Yeah. It kind of with that same feeling that I got when I was at the shows in Petaluma, mm -hmm. you right, know, right. where kids like I'm like, what the heck? Right, <laughs> right. It's yeah. kind of weird. Definitely. So yeah, that was kind of strange, and I I didn't like that. I thought that was very un unpunk. You yeah, know? yeah. And no, that's that's the you know the irony of of the underground music scene, punk it rock, hardcore is yeah, yeah is that. You, you have to conform so much to be a nonconformist. Right, right. Definitely. Or it becomes so inclusive that it becomes exclusive. Right, right. And I, you know, and that was that was kind of a bother to me. That kind yeah. of went against what the ideals were. Yeah. For then, in my in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. You know. Have you have you seen that book on the Safari Club? I yeah I do. Do yeah. you have it? Yeah yeah. I just okay, I was gonna yeah. give you a copy because yeah. I've got an extra. one. Oh, all right. No, I got, yeah I bought one. Yeah. yeah yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I never went down there, but it's. Uh, yeah, I was really happy that they were able to do that. Um, you know, Sh Shauna and and Pam were are are awesome people. Yeah. yeah. And Pam and or Shauna and and Rich did a great job. Yeah. With that. Yeah. It's a great book. I'm, it took I'm, them a long time. I did. They they interviewed me for it. I was down there. Yeah. In 2011. Okay. Rich and Shauna just moved back from L.A. or mm -hmm. or North Carolina, D.C. Right. For a little bit, and um, so I met them down at where the Safari Club was. Yeah. And we went into it. Oh, and nice. they had burnt down, so oh, it was just wow. so so it was just a shell, right, with no roof. Okay. And in the back, there was like a little door, and we climbed up underneath there and went inside there. Oh wow! So uh, Rich held a little video camera and videotaped the interview right. while we're standing where the stage was. Oh wow! And it was That's pretty awesome. pretty wild. That was neat. That was yeah. a neat time. It's it's nice to see all like the DC movie and the, the New York hardcore movie and. Yeah. All these books that have been coming out of, of stuff that you know we grew up listening to, so yes. it's cool that that Triple X book that's coming out. Looks oh, amazing. I'm yeah, I'm excited about that. I got the uh, pre-order, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I know um, Pam and Rich. I mean, excuse me, Sean and Rich did some things with Mike out on the West Coast. I saw that. Yeah. So you know, hopefully they'll be able to do something like that out here. I know there's. There, did I see right that that um, 
Gitter is going to be doing his book at the Proletariat Show in November. Oh, no, no, I didn't see I, that. There's oh. something on that, oh, right. on that flyer, so oh, on, the, on the thing. So, okay. um, and that guy owes me some money because I, yeah, he owes me money because I sent him, <laughs> or he owes me a zine because I sent him, a, you know, I forget, a buck or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I never got my, I right. never got my copy. <laughs> right. So you tell him. If you, <laughs> It's funny. I, I, when I was, I found all my old zines that I did. Yes. And the for the one, I took a picture of it. I scanned them and put them on the on my uh, the Facebook page for this podcast. And I was charged at seventy five cents, which is, when I think about that now, I'm like, what a pain in the ass that is. <laughs> like, I don't remember if I was walking around with a like a hand like oh, yeah, roll of quarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, the uh, this funny zines. I remember. I you know, was 15, and I was like, I'm going to do a zine, because I yeah. saw those, I saw, you know, the guys in Burke were putting out the another unslanted opinion was oh, their yeah. zine. Mm-hmm. Um, over at my school, this kid, Phil, had moved from uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and so he was into, to like, those, that hardcore, like, yeah, like yeah. NOTA, Stretch oh, Marks, yeah, all yeah. those bands from up in there, mm-hmm. and um, Dykroitzen, you know, yeah. was kind of the, the start, but he... Uh, so he had his zine, Burnt Toast, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I'm going to do a zine, and I yeah. was going to call it Metro Zine. Yeah. But of course, Scott Crawford already had that, and I was like, yeah, about yeah. that, I was putting the stuff together, <laughs> and then I go to a show, and there he is selling, selling, him. selling it, and I was like, damn, he stole my idea. <laughs> Only it was his idea first, right, but right. it was so, you know, everything was there, it was Metro, the Metro right. DC area, so it, would, yeah. so it wasn't that original, but right, he, right. he thought of it first. Yeah. So. <laughs> And uh, so when did you get up to uh, Boston? Um, 94. I got um, I got assigned to a ship called uh, Seneca, mm-hmm. yeah, the base in the North End. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I came up and reported there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell, I tell people, like, one of the first things that I did was I went over to the the common and mm-hmm. wanted to see the the stairs for oh, the yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you know the kids SSD. will have their say for yeah. the SSD record yeah and I got there and I saw the gate was closed yeah yeah and it wasn't until I saw the Boston hardcore movie that I that it was actually across the yeah street. the stairs in the, and the so park. yeah yeah but that was one of the first places I went to nice. you know yeah. I went to there and I went to Hilton's Tent City over which is over near the where the garden is yeah and it was a outdoor like backpacking and yeah. camping and hiking okay. store oh, right. and I don't know if they're still there but they do have one over in Central Square in Harvard yeah. now I saw huh. it. but yeah yeah they should do like a uh, a tour of fam you know like I still I still have never been to the Discord yeah. house but I, you know oh, it's they, one of those places there was uh it's called Yellow Yellow Arrow or something. There was like a podcast of a tour for DC, so you could oh, yeah. do the podcast. Oh, I think on I a, it was like a video that. one. Yeah, and it was really good. Yeah, um, and and uh, you know it misses some places, but right. it catches a lot of it. Yeah, and they did little interviews with people in it. Right. So in, if if you don't do the walk, the the video thing's really good, especially if you're interested in yeah. the, in that '80s DC hardcore yeah, yeah. scene. So. Yeah, a few years ago, uh, I was in a band with Al Quint when I was a teenager called uh, Shattered. So we were supposed to play it here. Yeah. Benefit uh, Shattered Silence. But we had uh, our rehearsal got canceled one day. We were rehearsing in South Boston. So me, him, and our, you know Ian King? Yes. He's in the F. He was, yeah. um, he was playing guitar with us, and I think the drummer couldn't make it. So we were driving back to the North Shore, and we were like, oh, let's go by the channel. And see what that looks like now. And it was the winter, so there was a big snowbank there. And I, I filmed this as a video on YouTube. I'll, I'll put it a, a link 
on this uh, podcast. Cool. But I filmed Al Quint uh, doing like a stage dive into a snowbank <laughs> and then put, uh, this is Boston, LA by the freeze over. It's pretty funny. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love it. But it's basically like him walking up, like running up to it and then kind of falling into it. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, so you became a police officer. Yeah, uh, of course. That's we got to get the elephant out of the room right there. <laughs> um, yeah. when, when did that happen? Um, well, I stayed in the Coast Guard full time until 2000. And 1998, before I got out, I took the civil service test. Right. And then for the police, and then I also took the firefighting one just a little bit after that. Okay. And um, yeah, so in, in the uh, December of 2000 or December of 99, I actually went on terminal leave and then january i was i was fully out of right out of active duty from the coast guard and started with the reserves mm -hmm. and um and then shortly thereafter i was um i started up you know went through the process and got right. hired on with the police department nice so and you've been with the same one yes and yeah. amesbury yeah of amesbury yeah um and one of the things i had brought up in the, the message i had sent you was like the correlation between just like the community and in, in hardcore and then you know what you do as a policeman is yeah um do those inform each other do you think or i know it's i you know i think that it it helps out because here you know i'm you know being part of like in the in punk and hardcore you're in kind of a marginal subculture yeah you know so you're standing on the margin so right. um so people that end up being involved with police are usually, you know, oftentimes are in the margins, either going right. through some sort of crisis, whether financial or, right. or maybe there could be uh, um, mental health, there could be abuse, there could mm -hmm. be any number of things, you right. know, or they could just, you know, just be people that just are antisocial, right, you know, right. so, or whatever. I mean, right. I'm not gonna, it's not, I'm not judging anybody. Right, right. I'm just saying that's yeah. what tends to be mm -hmm. the people that we deal with or people right. that are in emergencies. Um, right. So that I was, you know, very used to dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. having grown up, you know, grown up, not, you know, kind of in, in um, with not a lot of money. So living in poor areas, areas yeah. um, and having to, you know, you know, know what that's about right. living, you know, I, I'm really, I'm so proud of where I grew up because I grew up in this apartment complex that was made up of people from all over the world. Right. So the most of the people were Korean and, and now that area is, you know, Annandale's known as either little Korea or little Seoul or something like right. that. And, um, there's Korean restaurants and businesses and right. all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that was starting to happen when I was a right. kid, but it's happened more in the nineties is when it really blew up. Right. Um, plus there were kids from, you know, Vietnam, Vietnam war mm -hmm. just ended. So a lot of South Vietnamese or people that were involved with the South Vietnamese government and military, they all, came and they resettled in that area mm -hmm. um you had the uh beirut uh, lebanon Le uh, lebanese civil war right. so you had a lot of lebanese come you had uh, this the you know the palestinians there were people from uh east africa mm -hmm. from the horn of africa right. um central america south america right you know so it, it was pretty neat there was kids that were from Chile, yeah. you know, that because of the Allende, mm -hmm. they fled and they came to that area wow. because of the family. So, right. um, so it was pretty neat that I grew up in this neighborhood with these people from all over there. Right. And I always looked at it, it was like I, I kind of joked at one time was that it was 
not really joke, but I liken it to being we were all, you know, ref, you know, refugees from either war, civil war, political strife, or bad marriages. Yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. like most of the yeah, yeah. Like most of the kids that were Caucasian there, you know, you know, like like myself, their mm-hmm. their parents had broken home, so right. that type of thing. Um, so yeah, so it was it was quite. You know, it was quite the place, and it was really neat. Even though we were, it was like probably, probably like where Medford is to the to like the north end, so okay, that yeah. far, maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit closer right. um, to Washington, where the right. show where a lot of the shows were. Um, but you know, in that in the Salad Days movie, you had the the Go Go section, mm-hmm. and um, somebody that played in Trouble Funk was living in. Those apartments. those apartments when I was a kid and, and uh, my friends and I were playing you know Saturday morning in like yeah. probably 1982 or somewhere playing outside either yeah. probably might have watched the Kung Fu mm-hmm. theater on, and then we were beating each other up with sticks yeah. and <laughs> making all kinds of noise and he right. came out and asked us to be quiet and told us that he played in a band and he was up all night and he gave us all uh, records. Oh wow! And he told us, he goes, "Oh, here you can have these records. Yeah. Don't play around and keep the other kids away. Yeah. So I can I can sleep. Go play somewhere else. You know. And yeah. we did. You yeah. know. That was that was really the only time I ever hmm. saw the guy. But right. had this record trouble yeah. funk. <laughs> huh. It's interesting that that uh, band and, and that genre of music go go is never went anywhere beyond DC. Well, really. it's a live thing. You yeah. couldn't like I, right. those records. You could listen. Yeah. It was cool, and you right. hear the beat. But it was nothing. It right. needed to be done live because yeah. it was a real, like, like almost like punk. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of punk bands, they could record and it was good stuff. But like, there's bands like I think, like the Big Boys are amazing. Mm-hmm. But I think that they were really a band that you would see live. Yeah, Youth Beef, of Today too. You oh yeah, Youth of Today. Like the recordings, like awful. I, yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't. And Ray, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> I don't like the way you sang in Youth of Today. You were better in Shelter. Yeah. Okay. Or live. Um, but um, but it was something that, that had to be live because it yeah. was the interaction between the crowd yeah. and everything. Even if there was like a go-go show that was being at the 930, right. being played at the 930 club where it was mostly white kids from the suburbs, right. they, it still was that, that back energy, and forth. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so... It, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I think if you bring anybody to that, that's just that that's going to have an open mind. They're yeah. going to they're going to hear and they're going to be like, wow, this is yeah. great. And they're going to dance and yeah. have fun and smile and laugh right. and, and just and sweat. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that music and those shows still carrying oh, on down there? Yeah. yeah. Go Go still going yeah. on. And, and in fact, I was down there in June, mm-hmm. saw about some Go Go's, but I picked up this great socio- sociology book. Mm-hmm. Um, called Go Go Music. I can't. I'm gonna probably quote it wrong. Right. It was like um, life and death in a chocolate city, oh, or of a chocolate city, and it's an amazing huh. book about like the, you know, African American urban right. cities. Nice. Yeah, that that scene kind of reminded me of like the uh, hip hop, the early like in the, it, in the exactly. late 70s in the Bronx and exactly, and they they kind of. Paralleled and then boom, they went yeah. different ways. I yeah. think they kind of had their same roots, yeah. but it kind of went different ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, it was a, you know, it still is a great music, and there's still new bands coming out, and then the right. old bands are still doing their thing. So nice. it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So that's that's cool. That's a cool. So we keep trying to. So we keep going. No, <laughs> they're coming back. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say it's cool that you grew up in that environment. Yeah. And so what it goes right back to the police and mm-hmm. why, you know, because I experienced all these different cultures and I had these right. ideas about what it's like to be 
either a newcomer mm-hmm. to a place or be marginalized because right. of economics, mm-hmm. things like that, I kind of had a better idea about some of the people yeah. that, that I would come, you know, that would I would come right. across in yeah. my job, That's you know, the performance I mean. of my duties, right. whether it was people traveling or, you know, and, you know, because Amesbury 95 and 495 meet and it's going, you know, it's pretty much Haverhill and, and Haverhill's nearby. So everything's coming together right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So people would come through, you know, heading over to the beach in the summertime yeah. or people vacationing, going up to Maine or mm-hmm. into New Hampshire. Yeah. So it was, it was a good, it was a, for me, it was a good place to work. And, yeah. and I think it gave me a good mix of, of people to, you know, to work with and deal yeah, yeah. with. And I, and I really, I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah. There were things, you know, of course, there's anything about any job that some things aren't good right. and some things are better yeah. than others. So, right. But there was definitely things that be, because of, because I had the opportunities to deal with different things and different people and, mm-hmm. and found a skill set. I was, you know, good at working with older people, mm-hmm. working with the businesses downtown, mm-hmm. um, working with the kids, yeah. especially kids that aren't marginalized and, mm-hmm. um, and then with the, domestic violence stuff and and kind of having, you know, making that connection with them early on with the domestic violence um, crisis center and Mm -hmm. and working with them and really buying into the plan of working together with them. And that was important to me. So it was good. It was good. It was good. I'm really proud of the work that I've done with with that. And you you do to uh, fundraise for? Join the Unity Tour. Okay. And that was so riding from... Uh, I joined up with the Virginia group since I was mm-hmm. from right. Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up there most of the time. So I, we, they would ride from the uh, Ches- you know, Chesapeake, Portsmouth, Norfolk right. area of Virginia down the Tidewater and ride up to Washington, D.C. over mm-hmm. three days and okay. come there for the police memorial mm-hmm. events and um, you know, raise money. And then um, we broke away and started another group that supported a group called um, COPS, Concerns of Police Survivors. So it just mm-hmm. focused on supporting... A group of, that's made up that's made up of uh, family members and, and loved ones of officers killed line of duty to support them and mm-hmm. and um, so that group we you know it's called Law Enforcement United we that group fully funded the uh, summer camp where they bring the kids oh, that's awesome. every summer for a week and kind of you know because they they're really I mean that's a, that's a unique situation oh, for yeah. these kids to Definitely. be in. And it's hard for them to meet other peak other kids that have right, lost similar. a family member in a, any type of you know anything reason you know nearly similar. Right. Bringing them together and they they really help heal themselves. Really a lot of mentoring. Of right. what I found I haven't gone to any of the camps, but right. a number of the riders have gone and and worked there with them and spent spent nights or or spent days or part of the you know either part or the whole time right. at the camp with the kids doing some programs and right. and. Um, hearing from them what they did and a number of the riders too are survivors right. you know of law enforcement line of duty so parents yeah. wives husbands brothers sisters kids mm-hmm. so and nephews nieces so that's really that's really uh, neat and i yeah. enjoyed that um and it's you know last time i did it was in that i did to dc was in 2011 right and then um I started doing fundraising for a team that would come from here. We right. started doing that in 2007. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started doing rides, leading rides around here. And in right. 2014, I there was a long a group that would, they used to go from 
um, Georgia up to Washington, mm -hmm. and they would meet up with the group in Virginia and then finish the last three days with them. Oh, wow. um, so they wanted, after the marathon bombings, mm -hmm. um, they contacted me and they said, hey, you know, you're up here, can you help us put something together? So we started in Maine mm -hmm. and rode from Maine into Boston, and oh, then wow. Boston to uh, Coventry, Rhode Island, and across Connecticut, and then down to Long Island into... Nice. Yeah, so I left when we went into Connecticut. I couldn't. Yeah. I had I had some you know work to do, right. so I couldn't continue all the way in. Right. Um, and then I led a tour from uh, th from Augusta, Maine, across mm -hmm. New Hampshire, up into Vermont in oh, wow. 2015. Nice. So, so yeah, and that was a three day, uh, 285 mile ride. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. That's yeah. amazing. Pretty neat stuff, yeah. yeah and I don't know how much money. I never kept track of how right, much money right. that I raised for those groups. But um, the, I think it was more the awareness part is more what I was more focused right, on. Right, right. So. And, and that's the kind of thing I kind of wish, you know, nowadays just with all the horrible things that have happened in the last five years or whatever, mm -hmm. people's attitude towards the police is, you know, sometimes it's justified, but... When you make blanket yeah. statements about, you know, all cops suck mm -hmm. is... Uh, yeah, ACAB. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, I don't know, just to me, it's just ignorant and, mm. you know, if everyone is different. Yes. And uh, so that was sort of my next question is, you know, we're friends on Facebook mm. and you post a lot of stuff on, on their social media and just your views and the person you are and the music and stuff. Do you get a lot of blowback from fellow officers or no they you know some of them you know they you know during the the last primary they knew that i supported bernie sanders right. so some of them would kind of goof on me with right, that. right um but no they they, they respect it you know because I, right. I you know they'll have the discussions you know they might make a comment right but if we have a discussion we'll have a well discussion and they right. usually and they see where my views come from and they understand it and, yeah um you know and they you know i'm I don't expect them to vote right. my, you know, every right. one of them to vote my way or right, see right. my way, but they they at least look right. and, and and with an open mind. Right. And I think that's something that maybe a lot of police don't get that right. for yeah. whatever reason. Right. Maybe some of them do. I don't. I I don't. I don't right. know. I don't. I tend. It's really the only police I ever hang hang out with are people on the bike ride. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, there's a few friends that I have that I ride bikes with. Or, right or go surfing with right that's about that's about yeah. it you know yeah. so yeah i never i just assume i'm like you know are there these no, they, big burly cops that are like oh the punk rock guy but no, i think i think um i think at first they were they were when they became aware of it they were a little bit surprised you right because uh i was helping work on the newburyport skate park and mm -hmm. some things there and they started kind of Right. Yeah, yeah. And they started figuring out that there was something a little bit different about right, me. You know? Right. And uh, but they, you know, I, I you know, I, you you go and they, you know, they. I think when you get to be adults, I think too is like you become less opinionated about music. I'm not talking right. to anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas we talk yeah, like exactly. the Grateful Dead. You know, right. I, I'm not talking. You know, right. I'm punk rock. I'm not talking to yeah, any yeah. Deadheads. You know, right. damn hippies. Right. Right. You know, you become a little bit less you know, strident in yeah. that. And I think, you know, those things become less important. Right. Um, I think it's more the person's character right. stood out. And I think that was something that was happening there. Right. You know, 
I would yeah. think too, especially in law enforcement, if you're, you know, you, you don't want that kind of headbutting and stuff because you're all, yeah. most of you anyway, there for one, you know. I mean, but that's you know, as if you're you're an adult, you got a job, you know, right. you're gonna yeah. do your job, and right. you know, you, we're professionals, and there's yeah. a lot, you know, we're vetted, yeah. you know, some some. You know, so of course, some things fall through the cracks, right. and, and hopefully they get they get sorted out sometimes right. quicker yeah, yeah. than others. And um, but they, you know, what I've seen is doing they do an incredible job yeah. at that. So yeah. Um, so earlier this year, you traveled down to New Jersey to mm-hmm. see a hardcore show. Yeah. And uh, you didn't walk out. That was of there. a big show. Yeah. yeah. Was uh, that uh, this is hardcore? No, that was the uh, do it for Dave. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, it was the memorial show yeah, for, for Dave Franklin from Vision. Yep. And, and for right. some reason, I'm happy to be wearing a Vision <laughs> shirt. Um, yeah. The uh, so I went down there for that show, and um, and then they had a surprise thing, and it was Agnostic Front playing, right. and uh, Mark Ryan from Super Touch. First death, him, yeah, he was singing the nice. you know the um, victim and pain album pretty much. And yeah. Right at the end of that first part of that set, they were doing "Crucified," the Iron Cross song, and yeah. so right at the end, somebody did a stage dive and just hit me right, and and I knew it. I was knew what happened. Right. I felt like kind of a, a, a shock, mm-hmm. and I went down to the ground, and three other people went down to the ground. They got up, and I didn't. I was laying right. on my back, and I could. You know, it was hard to breathe, and I couldn't move anything. Yeah. You know, anything other than my eyes and my mouth, and uh, couldn't feel anything other than a buzz yeah. in my neck down. And um, luckily, it was right at the end of the song. Right. You know, they didn't go right into another song. Right. right. Yeah. That so the pit been... stopped, and nobody, you know, nobody's like trying to grab me, right, pull right. me up. And right. one guy got down, and uh, he said he identified himself, and he looked like maybe guy in his thirties, and. Mm-hmm said, yeah, I'm a nurse of some sort. I think he said trauma nurse. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't really remember. I know nurse. And he said, what's going on? And I told him, I said, I had uh, C-spine injury, you know, cervical spine injury. Yeah. I said, can you stabilize my C-spine? Mm-hmm. Tell them to call for help and don't yeah. let anybody move me. Yeah. And, you know, it was a big show. So yeah, yeah. there was, I think they said 3,500 people were at this show. So yeah. they had paramedics stationed, you know, assigned at the event. So, right. um Jimmy from Murphy's Law was, I don't know why he had the mic. I don't know if he was going to sing the rest right. of the set with them mm-hmm. or not. Roger was away, so they had different people filming. Right. So Jimmy, I remember looking, I could see Jimmy on the stage. Yeah. And he had the mic and he directly, he put the spotlight on him. We got somebody down. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, medics came up and uh, there was a friend of mine who uh, from Baltimore mm-hmm. that he was nearby. He helped. Yeah. Get them in there, and then uh, another friend of mine that's originally from Amesbury. He was living in New York at the time. And he's back down there living, mm-hmm. and he actually picked him up at the train station, and we yeah. went to the show. Hmm. Uh, my friend Joe, and um, so they the medics came and they took me out. And this right. <laughs> we're rolling out. People are going, you know, and they it was like in the you know sports thing, and everyone yeah. starts clapping, yeah, and yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and uh, this woman came over and she sounded like she was drunk and she's like I'm an EMT I can help I gotta <laughs> yeah. do it and they're like get out of here and, right. and I look I could look at the medic that had my head at the, on the stretcher and right. he looked down at me and that lady's saying and the other guy's telling her you know telling her you know thanks leave right. her alone and we just looked at each other and started laughing right right and um, you know 20 minutes later I was in the hospital yeah and uh, 
an ER nurse there was, her husband was into hardcore. Oh yeah. Um, then I go up to the to the main ward. There's this other nurse there that her husband played bass in a band. Um, oh my, I can't remember the name. It was they were Jersey hardcore right. band. And um, then the the one of the doctors in charge of the the trauma ward. Yeah. He was he was a New York hardcore kid. Oh, he was, really? Yeah, diagnostic trauma was his favorite band. There was like all these hardcore right. kids, all these hardcore yeah. people in there that worked there. Yeah, um, you know. That area of Jersey right, is right. huge with, yeah, yeah. with hardcore. Like a lot of great stuff right. came out of there. So, um, yeah. So they, it was, it was pretty neat, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And the people, I had, you know, I had to have surgery, and um, you know, I slowly began to move my feet, mm-hmm. and then my arms and and my hands are, are still like my arms and my hands and my torso is gives me problems. Yeah. Um, as you can see, you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm doing. A lot better, but right. in the morning I'll drop things, you know, because yeah. my hands are tight, or if it gets cold or something. Right. But I, I'm, you know, I'm moving along. I'm riding my bikes again. Yeah, uh, I tried to paddle out on surfing back in July, and I, my left arm was giving me problems. Right. So I haven't tried again, but I'll probably go out pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, you know, people there that the. the what was shown for me, the people who put on the show, yeah. the guys from Agnostic yeah, Front came that. and saw me at the hospital. Yeah. Um, Russ from Underdog nice. was very helpful to my, you know, my mother when she was there, my father when he was out, mm-hmm. um, and kind of helped, you know, help, you know, showed and told them where to go get food right, right. and would, you know, answer their the questions area. and right. kind of do that stuff. And he mm-hmm. came by several times to visit me. The guys from, you know, Pete from Vision nice. and uh, a lady named Jen who was, you know, New Jersey hardcore kid, right. um, Jason Dermer, who put on, who kind of was the main promoter and a sound right. guy from down there. He was, you know, I still, I can't say enough about yeah. him. He would come and visit, came and visit me several times, bring me vegan food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no vegan food in right, that hospital. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was there for about two weeks and finally I went to, uh, Spalding rehab. Yeah. I'd take an ambulance, Spalding rehab. Um, I had what was a cath- Texas, what they call a Texas catheter. Mm-hmm. Look that up; it's pretty yeah. interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that on that ride, I can, I can imagine. Um, so yeah, and uh, so I got this. I was in Spalding for two weeks and uh, learned relearned how to walk, how yeah. to you know how to wipe my butt, right. how to feed myself, how to do so much. I mean, there's so much more that I've learned since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But it was. But it hasn't slowed you down. Right? No, I tr- I try to. Do as much stuff. That's what the doctors want me to do. So they, right. if you sit, you're right. gonna. It's gonna be bad. Right. And I remember it was like, like, I got hurt on the second. And I think it was probably like the sixth, mm-hmm. fifth or sixth. After I had the surgery, they tried to help me stand up. Right. You know, they did surgery on my neck. I don't know if you know. They cut me open. Yeah. Right here and pushed my esophagus across. Mm-hmm. And I've got three vertebrae, three, four, and five are all fused together. Mm-hmm. Um. So that first time they, they wanted me to start standing up. So yeah. they helped me. And I remember the guy holding me and I felt like I was just going to like snap right over yeah. like, like, like a little puppet or something. Right. Right. And it, and I just grunted and tried to do it cause like you can't feel anything. So oh, I'm yeah. trying to tell my muscles what to do. Right. So I'm just trying to reach down the core and take every strength, bit of strength I had. And, and then the next day they did it again. I was able to start feeling a little bit more. I st- kind of stood up and right. took a couple steps and sat in a chair. And then next thing I had this other machine where I would get and I could move my feet. Right. 
and I started walk. I walked, you know, across, you know, from my bed to the wall right. at the foot of my bed, and mm-hmm. the next thing you know, I walked across the room the next day, and the next thing I walked out in the hall. Right. Um, then I went to Spalding, and it was they were like, "You're gonna walk." Yeah. And they go stand up, and the person stood behind me, and I walked. Yeah. And I didn't want to sit down, and, and yeah. I just kept walking. Yeah. And uh, and I remember the first day I walked. I mean, I, you know, once a week I'll ride sixty miles on my right. bike. So, yeah. you know, so that first time I walked a half a mile, I was so proud. It was yeah, yeah. huge. That must and, have been and, uh, amazing. Yeah. So it was pretty pretty wild. Yeah. The whole thing. The progress has slowed down, right. but it's still happening. Yeah. Now it's more, it's a real head game. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I did all that stuff for fallen police officers. Now I want to do things to for spinal right, you know, spinal right. cord injury yeah. Yeah. awareness, you know, and brain injury awareness. Yeah. So That's awesome. Man. Yeah. So, And that sort of brings the whole thing sort of back around. It's sort of like the, like you were saying, all these people in the hospital from the hardcore scene. Oh, uh, yeah. Just that sense of community is. Oh, it's huge! It's, it's huge. I mean, yeah. when I was there in in the hospital, I was down in New Jersey. Um, my dad was still there, so I think it was the day after I had the surgery. Yeah, it was probably like the third or fourth, or maybe fifth. Um, this kid, um, Josh, who used to be in a band out of Amesbury called Purple Heart. Okay, and um, so he got in touch with my dad. Mm-hmm through Facebook and yeah. then he got in touch with, and then, then, uh, Mike O'Donnell from the Jabbers got in touch and they, they wanted to put on a benefit to kind right. of help, help yeah. with stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cost that, that, that I've incurred. Yeah. Um, and then they, Al Quentin got involved and, yeah. and he helped get some people around and, and it was amazing. And then, then they asked me how, you know, when I got started moving around more, they asked me to get in touch with people I knew from the scene, you know, mm-hmm. you know, DC, New yeah. York, California and stuff and, and get, you know, see if we get things for fundraisers and the stuff I could have held, you know, so many auctions. I mean, it was amazing. Right. I, I, you know, if I start, I mean, I start to get emotional over it. Yeah. That yeah. scene came together for yeah, me yeah. so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think up here, the reason, really, the reason most of the people up here know me is just from putting those movies on, right? Um, which has been wonderful. I was, yeah, yeah. I wanted to help these filmmakers. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to spread the word about the scene. I really, it was, it was all um, selfish. I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to see these movies on a big screen yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah, wanted cool. to, that theater. You really know, cool. I really wanted to see it on the big screen and. Um, if other people saw him, that's that's fine. Yeah, but, that's a bonus. You know, the, yeah. that the main thing I wanted to see him on a big screen yeah, because yeah. watching him on a TV or on a laptop right, isn't, isn't it's not the same. Yeah. And um, so it happened. And, yeah, yeah. But through that, I met a lot of people up here, and people have been really yeah. uh, supportive and and helpful and yeah. um, really nice. And mm-hmm. and um, it's you know, I, I seeing how the scene. Like people from the scene and what they've done. Everyone, you know, people have done all, you know, some people just stay playing music. Some right. people went into writing. Some people have gone into film, other art. art. Yeah. So, teacher, a lot, so many teachers. Yeah. Some are therapists, some are doctors. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I'm amazed at what, at what came out of our scene. And yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say that we were a special group or anything, right. but it seems, it's, yeah. it, I, I definitely feel that there's a superlative yeah. as, aspect to, what you know 
what people from the the hardcore and oh, yeah. U.S. hardcore and punk scene have yeah. have gone and done. Yeah. Um, one of the guys you talked about the uh, that Safari Club book. Yeah. Um, Adam or A.C. Thompson wrote that mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. He's won the Harvard Nailed it. Journal, journalism degree or journalism award for investigative reporting. For, right. He broke the story about the where the police were shooting the people at Katrina. Oh, really? Wow. He was the one. Really? Yeah. yeah. So a kid from the hardcore scene right. who I used to go over to his house, yeah, yeah. go skateboarding and, right. and go, you know, when the SNFU, If You Swear You'll Catch No Fish yeah. album came out, yeah, yeah. I was at his house when it came from, right. you know, BYO Records yeah. and it arrived, awesome. you know, because he did a pre-order right. and it came, he was like, whoa, we went and put it right. and listened to it. That's crazy. So, man. yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that kid yeah. went and did that. Right. So, I mean, that tells you. Yeah, I think you know what what we've been able to accomplish because I you know this like we said the scene yeah you know kind of instilled us you know yeah you can be mad or whatever right. like do something more yeah you know Definitely. take it to that next level yeah. you know if you you know if you're gonna fight you know fight for what what's right you yeah. know you know Absolutely. fight for fight for something that matters and and make a difference yeah you know and I think that's that's really what it is. Whether it was the youth crew scene, whether it was the early hardcore scene, right. Do what DOA was saying, yeah. What the guys in in Youth Brigade down in Los Angeles yeah, were yeah. saying, to seven what seconds, what seven seconds in the Skino scene, yeah. To the guys in Chicago with you know the effigies and, yeah. and naked Raygun, what they were putting out there, yeah. you know, they you know they might some of them might not have been they were a little bit indirect, right? More indirect than others, yeah. But they, I think that was something that was common. There was something yeah. wrong. Let's shout about it yeah. and maybe come up with some solutions. Yeah. You know, you know, if some, if some light bulbs get broken along the way, right, you know, right. that happens. <laughs>